What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 280 of Two Amazon Sellers in a Microphone, brought to you by Solozo. Um, and today we're bringing back one of our all-time favorites, Neil Twa, CEO, co-founder of Voltage. Uh, Neil's amazing. What they're doing is amazing, helping people scale, automate, skyrocket their Amazon uh, businesses. Um, I've had the fortune of meeting a lot of your team, uh, some of your students. It's, I mean, it's amazing what you guys are doing. And we're so excited to have you back on because we had you, uh, I don't even know how long ago. It feels like forever ago. We had Almost you two years ago. About was, 100 episodes ago, I think. Based on yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but you were seven of those episodes. You, you did a seven-part series with us that I encourage everyone to go back and listen to because you dropped some amazing... Uh, just tips, tactics, strategies, expectations for people. So if everyone can go back and, and listen to that. Um, but today we're going to talk about what's happening now. Like, what yeah, do we need to do? Prepare? What do we need to do? Uh, what's it take to launch a, an Amazon FBA business today? But Neil, yes, thank you so much for joining us. We love I appreciate you being with my brothers from another mother in Missouri. Um, That's right. I don't always get right. to talk. People are like, what, what happens? It's so good in Missouri. And I'm like, nothing, just fly over. This is not some kind of reverse psychology moment where we're telling you not to come because we want you to come. I'm sorry. I love you, but just stay where you are. Um, no, no fits that. No, we, we love the beauty of the country and being out here. And it's great to be on episode 280. I was, I want, I want to be back for episode 420 just so you guys can put that down on the, <laughs> and we should do it on 420 next year. If, if you guys get that at the rate, you're so that'd be a lot of fun. Um, that I don't know why I said that. That's stupid. All right. So let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about FBA powerhouse. Like let's talk about what's happening like now um, because this is impactful for those who might be getting started. Of course, it's always, you know, if you're new and you want to know what's going on and, and stuff, check out that seven part series. Like you said, we'll go into detail if you're getting started, if you're somewhere between getting started and the novice, if you're looking for profit growth and scale, um, then this is something we want to talk about right now, especially as we're headed through the middle part of 2023, uh, going into the fourth quarter. We just came off a crazy Amazon Prime Day. We had some record 100K plus days during the Prime Day of Amazon. So that was fun to watch uh, the biggest seller history of Prime Day in their launch. So I'm sure we'll be seeing this again. We got one coming up in potentially October sometime. Uh, so this will be cool. So how do we prep? How do we build? What does it mean to even say, you know, powerhouse or, or what's it to be in the trenches in warfare, as you said, right now in this model? You know, to, to be quite honest, guys, in my experience, it's probably the easiest time ever to I'm going to say something really bold to build a 10 million dollar a year business with one to two people. Now, that is a it isn't even a bold prediction. You already know we're doing it. You've seen it. You've met my clients. You've met my people. You already know we're doing it. But for most people, that's really hard to comprehend. And for once upon a time when I was trading time for money at IBM, that was in, like it was crazy. Right. Like I understood when I was at IBM working for my job, trading my time and money that they call it a paycheck for a reason because they pay you to keep you in check. So that's why it's called a paycheck. And I got that. But now that I've seen the unlimited aspects of what I could not do 15 years ago, as recent as 10 years ago, it is now the most incredible time ever to be able to build one to two person teams and aren't even employee based and see revenues uh, a million plus a month. Okay. Uh, and more importantly, profits in the six to seven figures while doing that, because really revenues are vanity and profit is sanity. And we all know that these businesses create cash flow, and that's ultimately what's king. Uh, as we look to grow and build and create scalable assets, both Amazon and beyond, and put it in a saleable position. So as we look forward for this year, what are some opportunities if you're getting started right now, 
versus if you're in the middle of changes you might want to make versus, hey, you're looking for growth and scale already in what you're doing. So let's go over those three areas because hopefully that covers pretty much everybody that's listening on this podcast. If you're looking to get started, what does it take to actually get going? It does not take products anymore. Wow, this is going to be weird for your brain. I don't really talk about products a lot anymore because the product and the data and the AI engines we have now and the data and analytics of 10 years of knowledge will find products that you can sell. That you know, what the heck do you sell and who do you sell it to are really two different equations anymore in this space. What you really need to be thinking about is brand. Okay, brand driven only. And what is brand driven only? Well, we understand it's a series of products, but most importantly, we need to understand it's a person or a group of people, okay, who we are set to serve for something better, greater, bigger, faster, higher, quicker, slower, <laughs> whatever outcome or solution they're out to gain. And if you can really get your mind around that, um, because still so many people are talking about products, and I'm shifting that narrative because that was 10 years ago. Today, it is brand. And what does brand mean from a product-driven enterprise? It means that I'm actually serving a wider audience of people who are looking for the solution that my brand can fulfill through emotion or physical products. And when you look at the way this engine works, if you start out on Amazon and you're just getting started, you need to understand this economic engine that is Amazon. You don't really need to understand the mechanics. We can talk a little bit about that. But if you don't understand the brand, if you don't understand the solution, if you don't understand who you're actually after, and by the way, you can do that in about 10 minutes because it's just a brain game uh, when we go on Amazon and we're using their leverage of trust and authority and similarity and familiarity of their platform. You don't have to really spend a huge amount of time thinking up front, what's my big brand vision? What you need to do is actually act because fortune favors the bold who act. You can sit around and think about it, but if you don't actually act, nothing's ever going to happen. You're still going to be on the couch wondering, what if me, what if me? So when you go out and look at these brands, what you need to look about is the all the products, not just a singular product, but all the products that envelop a particular person, a particular avatar, a particular solution that person is trying to come after. Let me give you an example. It could be somebody who's on a uh, you know, biking adventure who isn't your just every day I grab the bikes and go out with the kids and have a you know little ride around the cul-de-sac. This is, hey, I'm on an adventure. I'm going to go out to Pikes Peak. I'm doing an all-inclusive, you know, packing adventure. You know, when my wife and I first got married, we did that. Uh, that was one of the fun things we did. We'd pack up the bikes. We were in Oklahoma at that point, and then we were in Colorado doing this. And um, so we have ridden up Pikes and down Pikes Peak and up the back and all over these mountains. So firsthand experience here. You don't want just your basic Walmart gear. <laughs> you don't want your basic 18, you know, speed huffy uh, getting up there. And you don't want that piece of plastic from China slapped between your legs when you're bumping and grinding down that hill. Um, the song is cool, but the experience is not. So when you go, <laughs> when you're bumping and grinding, you want something that's soft and cushy and it's got a hole in it. So you got to be thinking about the solutions of somebody who's geared and oriented to, to that. And you also have to get past your limiting beliefs that well, if I don't sell to that mass $20 or $30 audience, then I can't make any money with this because I can't sell the volume of units. That's a vanity metric, just like revenue. So what we want to look at is profitability metrics first. So as you're looking at that solution, and you're defining that product to really become a powerhouse that creates organic and juggernaut. You need to niche. You need to flow down into the areas in which you can serve a base group of people who are really looking at, you know, price as a secondary option over the solution that they're trying to accomplish. If I'm going out to ride an all-inclusive event with my wife and go up the back of Pikes Peak, I do not want your basic bike gear. I want your disc brakes. I want your better water bottles. I want the panniers that will stay on so they don't rattle off. I want the you know good water bottle. I want the good equipment. I don't 
I want a really nice bike seat. I want something that's soft, cushionable. It's got the hole in the middle so it doesn't bum and grind. I want the whole experience, right? And so the end result is there's an audience of millions of people like me. You just have to realize that by price point, you aren't always limiting opportunity. That's a limiting belief, okay? First, we need to think in abundance because most of the times it's, well, everything is actually abundant. It's just our own limitations that cause it to be more scarce, literally. So as you look at that and you grow that, you need to understand those avatars. When you do that, the opportunity that Amazon or any e-commerce model, frankly, that is looking at private label specifically, which is really customization and innovation, so we're clear, you're looking at a huge opportunity to grow upside potential in that business. And that is through organic growth. And if you don't understand that, let's get real basic. If you like an iPhone over an Android, you're a cool guy because only simps use Android. Now, I probably pissed everybody off who's listening to this call, <laughs> but what does that tell you if it freaks you out? Because you're brand driven. Uh-oh. Yeah, sorry. Like if you like Honda over Toyota, you're brand driven. If you prefer a Beamer over a Lexus, you're brand driven. If you like a particular television, you're brand. If you like a particular shirt, you're brand driven. We all hate to be pushed into areas where that's so simple to define us by our merchandise. But in actuality, it really is. Right. You're wearing a Kansas City shirt for a reason. You're using a particular microphone for a reason. You've, you've bought a shelf for a reason. You have a brand driven affinity. It's OK to be that way, really, at the end of the day. It's OK to have preferences. Um, in our house, though, preferences can't go to the point where, you know, it's your all drive, all focus. <laughs> and by the way, I live in a house with five women. So, you know, this is all this is just one man's perspective <laughs> living in the <laughs> trenches of a house with all the women in my in my house. By the way, I don't talk as much as the rest of my family does. Well, Neil, real quick, before we dive in, yep. a lot of people get this idea to do that, what you're talking about, like yes. finding products they're passionate about, but they get the deer in the headlights mm -hmm. when it comes to creating the brand name, getting the brand colors, the brand logo. What what do we got to do there? Just jump over that hurdle and keep moving? No one cares at this moment. Nobody cares. Sorry. Any more than, you know, until you know, like, and trust someone or something or a brand, do you actually not care? What you care about is what's in it for me. So at this point, you're not really going, well, they have a blue logo and I like pink, so I'm not buying their product. Okay, you've overthought this. This is analysis paralysis. You should create that relatively smart and you should build something that you think would have long-term intrinsic value to the brand. But here's the other thing. You don't want to just, you know, if you're selling bike seats, you don't want to know, you don't want to call it the bike seat company. Right. Because now you've limited yourself to selling a gear, accessories and other things around the bike. You might, that's why, for example, there's a business called Patagonia, okay, which sells bike gears, outdoor gear, accessories, et cetera. So just think about a name that's going to create an intensive brand that no one's ever heard of. Slap it down on the piece of paper and go to work. Don't get caught up in that. The real analysis paralysis actually comes down to, you know, making a decision on a product and trusting the data. Because at this point, you don't know what you don't know until you actually put the product in the system. So you mm -hmm. actually launch the e-commerce, start up your Facebook ads or put it on the Amazon. You don't actually know what you don't know. So you're going to have to take that first leap of faith. And many people have a struggle with that. So if you go by the numbers to ensure that, you know, with 80 percent confidence, the profitability, it's not saturated. You have a good idea that there are products already selling. You've got customization opportunities. Then the first thing you need to do is launch the dang product. Don't get stuck there. So many people do. They ride all their hopes and dreams on first product. And when first product doesn't start making 100 sales a day, maybe it makes five. All of a sudden they're like, oh, no, this is all she and I'm not I spent this money and it's never going to work. No, that's the wrong time to freak out. All right. Well, you guys have heard me say this before. Don't marry your products. Get involved in the product development process. OK, it's a process. It's not a 
final step. Product one should lead you through the you know stages of learning and earning something. You should see the product get clicks and impressions and start to become viable. And if you're seeing those things, you're on the right trend. And that is data to follow because until it's in there, you're not going to have a hundred percent picture. So don't get caught doing that. What are the right metrics for us? We don't sell products less than $12 in net profit per unit. Okay. We have to be paid more than $12 in net profit. So we already just eliminated about 80% of Amazon's products. Okay. Those are all high volume products. Okay. Where unit metrics and volumes and other tools in the industry tell you, well, this is a high selling estimated profits. I need to know what the estimated sales are today. I need to, I like, I don't care what they are. What I care is how many units can I sell against the competition? That's what I care about. So when people are like so hyper-focused on the data of competition and analysis, we take a one-time glance at that to make sure that we're in a line and then we test launch. Everybody wants to stop there and get geared and bogged down in that analysis paralysis when in actuality, you don't know what you don't know until it's actually in the system and you're selling in your own account under your own brand with your own pricing. Now you know, okay? So as that product status starts to go up and trend great, you're going to know sooner than later, how am I stacking up against the data in Amazon? Because at this point, no one cares about your product. They only care about the data. The AI engine of the algorithm Amazon only cares about your data. And the question is, is my data better than the other competitors' data in Amazon? Because at this point, it doesn't matter what the product is. People will say, well, the product isn't selling. I say, no, your data is bad. Well, no, what do you mean? I don't understand. No, your data is bad. It is not anything to do with your product. I can run a product up to 100K, okay, and I've proven this in my mastermind, with a crappy product from AliExpress. Well, what happens after the 60 days that I start ramping that business up, right? The engine of Amazon destroys it because the one-star, two-star reviews and seller feedback come in and destroy that and, and kill that product. What actually killed the business? Was it the data or the product? It was a product in that case. Okay. So if I can get the good data and I can get better data than competition in Amazon, I'm going to win. So to close that loop and ensure that you who are new, okay, and if you're existing sellers, you need to understand this too. If the product is getting four or five star reviews and you don't have sales, you have a data problem. If you launch your product and you and it starts to take off really well and it doesn't sell at the volume, you still have a data problem. It's not the product. If you are launching a product and you have no reviews and you start to get sales, you have the right data. Does that make sense? Yeah. You talked about that $12 profit. What? What? Yeah. Why is that baked in there? What's the $12 profit for? Because when why I do you go to competition in the marketplace, I'm going to buy the sellers away from the competition and I'm going to bring them back and bring better data back to my listing and seller account. And I'm going to basically prove to the engine we call it priming the engine, that I am a better seller than they are. Not because I have a better product, because I have better data. So I'm when you say buy, that. you're buying ads. BBC I'm buying ads, sponsored ads, brand ads inside of Amazon, and I'm willing to use that much profit because I will typically have more profit than the seller I'm competing with. And mm -hmm. I'm simply going to go out and buy away their customers before they ever see them. And that's going to bring the data to me, and my data is going to look better than them. And eventually, I'll take over. So then we move away from things like ACOS, Okay, which is in my mind to some degree a vanity metric that too many people focus on. And I move to TA cost and I look at where is my total advertising cost between organic and PPC. If you're focused too much on the PPC A cost, you're not actually focused on the real true metric I'm going after, which is organic. And if 
organic is exceeding 30, 50, 60% of my sales. And I can now look at my TI cost and say, okay, I'm around 8.5%. I'm going to blow that budget up. Why am I going to do that? Data. Data tells me at this <laughs> point, okay, that I'm not making a guess. Okay. I'm following the data that if I continue that trend, I will be at 60, 70, and 80% organic. What will happen to my ad costs when I do that? They'll decrease per unit. We'll all come down per unit to a respectful amount of ACOS. Okay. Yeah, it takes really, a skill to do this. Like, it is uh, a skill to do this. That is yeah. true. And it is not yeah. like something we just learned yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after 11 years of doing this, we figured out how to manage this process, this pendulum swing, so that we see an organic push. Why? Because the organic data is ultimately what the engine is going to rank you on. It is ultimately what's going to hold your position and is what's going to keep you there. Okay, and, and I'll make another bold statement here because I've done this before on Norm's podcast, and it's true. We proved this by taking an account that was spending more than 30000 a month in PPC ad cost, and we shut it off. We just shut it off, and then we waited for 45 days. And guess what happened, right? It grew. <laughs> it grew. So what it basically told us was, and you have to be willing to risk some things sometimes to ever learn where the boundaries are. People are like so afraid and I'm not telling anybody on this call, go turn your PPC ad campaigns off. Don't, I mean, this is something I was willing to risk. I don't suggest you do that until you really understand what your data is. But the end result was the organic, okay, is ultimately what's going to hold your position. And when your data is better, organic will grow above anything you can do with PPC. And I know that sounds weird. I know what you guys do and I know why we're working with you, but it's important to understand that the PPC metric is like the gas pedal in a car that also turns into the cruise control when my organic ranking data is overtaking the data of my competitors. If I'm not in that metric, fail with the AI, you will fail. It will pancake. You will, you will run a launch up and then the product will go down really quickly. You'll run a PPC campaign, it'll go up and you're like, eh, and you shut it down or start to turn it down. It's like, eh. everything starts to fall off the backside when you start backing the PPC campaigns down. Then you start fighting over, well, my ACOS isn't well, is too high. And then you try to do all these things to try to get your ACOS down to keep that sales metric up here. When in actuality, what do you have? What's your real problem? You're not converting on your listings, unit session percentage, mobile or desktop, higher than the two competitors the AI is currently ranking you against. And you are going to lose against them. Yep. Yeah. It, uh, so make a better listing. <laughs> increase the viability of the listing, increase the conversions of the listing and do not change a hundred things. When you try to do that, change mm -hmm. one thing. All right. If it's an image, go to PicFu. All right. Have PicFu's seller prime group tell you, okay, which of the next images you should be testing, put it in there, test it for three to seven days. If it looks good, keep it. If it looks bad, put the other image back. This is where it gets really frustrating and patience has to kick in. Because a lot of people want instant and real-time gratification today. They're the six-second you know, six reel. That's kind of dangerous because we're at six seconds. I think gorillas were at like seven or was it apes? I don't know. Something is more advanced than we are now. Um, we have a six-second attention span. But really, you need like a six-day attention span to make this work. Take one little shift. Watch it positive. It's like unlocking the keys of a lock. As you pull each of those tumblers and it's positive, eventually you're going to get that thing dialed in where you don't need to touch it for months or years. Okay, once that listing is dialed in, in fact, not touching it is one of the things we slap sellers on the wrist for all the time. Every time you make one change, you reset the algorithmic uh, evaluation of that data. 
You cannot make major changes. You cannot make minor changes once you've dialed in those locks and you now know you're on a positive trajectory, you leave it alone. Do not touch it again, okay? Because everything is building a historical trending data of growth. And once you get that touched and dialed in, you don't need to touch it again. You've got it. What's a good what, what's a good unit set of percentage? Like what, what's a good average for that? So in very competitive markets, if you're able to maintain four to five percent, and by competitive markets, it means that they're moving a thousand units a day or more. Okay, then three to five percent is going to be high converting metric uh, in, in Amazon. Okay, in lower trending markets where there's maybe five hundred to a thousand units a day moving on average across all of the sellers in that category, you could be as high as ten to fifteen percent. On smaller listings with more niche-based products, we can see thirty to fifty percent. USBs on our products. Gotcha. Let, let me, because I want to break down a little bit of what you said. There, because to me, it sounds like the reason that this is working mm -hmm. for you, for your clients, yep, is based on a lot of things that people are missing the boat on. Pretty much. Number, number one is you're picking products that this, the the number of sales is is relatively irrelevant. Like there is a if you if people out there that are doing products product research and they're using Helium Ten or Jungle Scout, all those products that show like millions of dollars in revenue and hundreds of thousands of sales just pop off that page to them, and they're missing the fact that those are nine dollar products with a maybe a two dollar profit in it. And there's no way they can do what you're doing with those numbers. It's impossible. How are you gonna? How are you going to do these you're ranking not. launch PPC campaigns that are costing two, three dollars a click? You can't maintain it. Yeah, you're fighting a uphill struggle that will, you'll lose against. Now, it isn't you shouldn't do those products. It's when you should do those products. I'm gonna throw a caveat. Okay. Yeah. So when could I do a product where volume would matter to my brand, but not all profit? Once you've already built a brand, potentially. Once I've already built a brand. Once I've already built a brand where products are out there, I can, and, and you might know this in the marketing world is like a legion or a lead magnet or a, a, yeah, right. So in that way, you know, I could go back and identify a product that might be a 29 or a $19 product that I know is in my niche, in my brand, in my area, but I didn't start there, of course. I could go back and launch that product to increase the volume of units moved, even if I'm only moving a dollar. Why? Because I'm not going to need to push the PPC like I did on the original products because brand is now taken over. Yep. And I can add that product in and watch volume kick in relatively fast. And my data in my seller health account that is positively increasing above all the metrics and the ones you don't see in the seller health account, by the way is now increasing organically. If I go back and launch that product, it will automatically start to rank in the first five to seven pages as soon as I launch it, not doing anything but taking the brand data and organic data of my account and launching that product inside of there. So those low volume products will take off extremely fast, even without PPC. Hmm. Okay? And when they do, they start generating lots of data and they start generating lots of sales and they start generating lots of places on Amazon where people see those products and they look into that product and they see that maybe it's a $19 product, but then they realize I'm selling these other products that are of higher price points. Okay. And I've got them touched. Once they touch them, once they buy that first product through packaging, post-purchase and other mechanisms, I can then introduce them very quickly into my other products. Now I've taken that economic engine and I've basically thrown in a high volume product into it and turned it into a lead magnet. You know, everything you're making or everything you're saying is making 
perfect sense. I mean, I, I keep going back to that, that $12 baked in profit that minimum. you're minimum. I like the 24, minimum. 36, 48 too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, there, I think there's a few things that happen there. Number yep. one, there by, by default, there's less competition in those, in the, and a lot of times in those markets because of the, there's a little bit of a higher cost in entry. There's a barrier of entry. Yeah. Yes. Barrier of entry. But you can do a lot of advertising with $24. I can do profit. a lot of advertising when most of my competitors are only at like eight to $12 in profit per unit. When I can go spend eight to $12 acquiring their customers, how, do, how does that change the game? It means it's just a matter of time that I will dominate their market. Okay. And how fast I can dominate their market at that point will be determined by my conversion rates and the quality of my listings. And of course, closing that gap by creating a better than product that I know will get four and five star reviews. Yeah. Once that loop closes, that data simply gets validated in the engine. That's the cycle that it's looking to complete. At this point, the customer is Amazon's in channel one. Now, I know a lot of people think that's a freaky thing. And if they're listening to this, you probably already understand the pros and cons has been covered about that in the past. I'm okay with that to prove the brand, prove the model, prove the data, prove the market segmentation of my particular brand, and then prove the upside potential of that. Should I go mass marketing? Should I call up my friends at QVC? Should I go out to retail? Should I contact my mentor, the guy that created the as seen on TV and go out and move this into bigger spaces and open the Shopify account and pull all the assets together that I already know work, put them out there into Google and Facebook and YouTube and TikTok and everywhere else and start generating that customer acquisition strategy and basically doubling my business, by the way, pro tip, uh, just get it to 5% of revenue on one of those secondary channels. And you can add a single point and potentially double the uh, value of your business. Okay. Valuation by opening those multiple channels, plus lowering risk across those two to three channels. So we will typically go into retail or Shopify. That's it. Those three locations create that tripod uh, of profitability. And as a buyer of businesses, to be very clear, Voltage buys and invest in these companies. We buy uh, our opportunities to buy our client businesses when the time comes and they're ready to sell off market um, as part of what our strategy is. So we're like a mini boutique. We were doing this before SPACs and Amazon aggregators were cool. Uh, I think I told you guys we got almost sucked into that um, yeah. once upon a time and turned it down, which I'm grateful we did after knowing the capitulation and consolidation and crashes that are occurring uh, in that marketplace. They stayed out of that. Um, but it is the model that we deploy to build, grow, scale, and exit. And then in our investment groups, acquire those businesses. So as a business buyer, what I'm telling you is something that I both run, do, and purchase. So I'm looking for those businesses with two or three other legs on them, even if they're only taking 5% revenue uh, of those secondary channels, as long as they're open, as long as they're getting customer data, as long as they're started, and they show the upside potential and growth, we can come in and, and add gas to fire. And that's part of the purchase valuation of that business. So just to give your brains you know, a jump down the road there for a second. Now, taking it back, if I can, for just a minute, back to where we are right now in, uh, where are we, August? Shoot, I was going to say July, but that, <laughs> that month was like, <laughs> gone. like, okay, we're in August. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Don't know what happened to July. Uh, I think I slept and woke up and it disappeared. Mm -hmm. um, so in August of this year, what am I looking at if I'm in the novice? Like we talked about getting started. Let's talk about where you're at. I've got a product. Things are sort of working. Hopefully you gain some information from that. Let's talk Q4 about is coming. Q4 is coming. What should I be doing right now? Okay, the first thing I should be focusing on right now, okay, is inventory speculation. That's what I like to call it because technically you're speculating on what potential sales you should get. 
you can get three to five X during the holiday period time. So just kind of gauge that you don't want to stock out. All right. That's a bad thing to do in the holidays because I won't stock out. And if you do, that's only going to increase my market share slingshotting into 2024. A lot of people misgauge those. So if you are at this point, you will lose market share in the quarter one of 2024. If you are not properly inventoried and stock out during the holiday period. Why? Because the data is moving so fast in the system. Okay, so fast in the turnover. What was it like 7,800 products a minute last year in Amazon? That that data is turning over so fast that if I'm stocked inventory and you are not, okay, a seven-day normal window during normal uh, operations outside of a holiday period will give you a window of opportunity to not lose your ranking or position against competitors in the marketplace. In the holidays, that's about a two-day window, okay? Mm. It, it basically shrinks the time in which your data now starts pushing you backwards. Okay. During the holiday periods, when those sales occur between September and into January, you can get pushed back extremely fast. Some of you know what I'm talking about, especially if you've gone through traditional holidays before you'll get this Buy a little extra inventory this year. I know it may make not a lot of sense to some of you who are listening to this, especially certain sellers that are selling and wondering about market and economic conditions. And of course we deal with inflation. We always have, and, Inflation is transitory and I don't expect it's going to go away and some, you know, maybe something crazy awesome happens, um, but it's not necessarily going away. But we have to we have to work on that. That is the business. That was what will change this into the first and second quarters of 2024. Get your inventory stock levels up. OK, while you're working on that, you should also be looking at my unit session, pursuits, my conversion rates right now. Bad conversion rates that are doing OK right now will be negatively amplified come September and October and November mm. this year. Okay. Why? Because people like us are going to go in hard. And mm. if you're our competition, if you're my client's competition, you're going to lose that market share. You're going to get a lot more clicks and not sales. You're going to see a lot of your unit sessions digging down on that. And if you're going to be literally uh, watching that drop in September and October, then by the time November and December hits, you're in a bad position. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? Mm -hmm. So we really want to be working on that dial in right now as fast as you can. It's every seven days, one change every seven days. Okay. One change every seven days of data, positive or negative. One change every seven. That's why you got to get going on it now, right? There's only 30 days or so in 31 days in August. And so, and so you've got to think this through real quick. Okay. The major changes you should make. Okay. You should test images first. Mobile is now surpassed desktop as of Q4 2022. More mobile sales are happening on desktop. That's the first time since mobile phones ever launched. First time in the internet. Very cool metrics. We're living in an amazing time. <laughs> I don't think everybody really understands how fascinating that is. <laughs> Having watched computers and desktops come online and put the first ones in the university and help them set up their first lab to going to mobile phones and watching them launch, which was really cool because I got to be inside a Sprint PCS when that happened and got to be part of the first team that launched the first mobile phone in Kansas City. And to being in a situation where mobile has now overtaken desktop and purchases. More than 61% of people purchase something every week on their mobile phone now, which is amazing. So you must be mobile optimized. If you are not looking at your listing from a mobile optimization, you are missing out. Okay. You're missing out on the optimization and the data. And that's where you should start testing images and then testing copy. Okay. Next. And I don't mean changing copy. I mean, switching slight variations of your copy and metrics to ensure that you can test a, a higher USP than you currently are right now. And it should be for mobile, okay? So that's very important if you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> Hopefully you are already selling understand that. That is gonna give you the real second thing that you should do right now. And the third thing you should do is take a deep breath. I know I talk fast and I always love to do these so I get really excited because this, this is just fun, this is my life, I do it every day. But you need to take a deep breath, okay? 
e-commerce is the one of the only fastest growing double digit industries in all the world right now. Okay. All seller accounts in our industry are really up. If you're doing a great job, they are in my business builder group and everybody that's working with us is seeing gains. Okay. The reason isn't we got all the secret sauce. We got some cool stuff going on, but it really is because we work a lot on what is actually important to pay attention to. What is actually important to be worried about? What is actually important to be thinking about? And to continually remember that there's abundance everywhere. Even if you aren't feeling it right now, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So you need to change that mindset, right? And I can't tell you that, that, you know, a lot of affirmations and Facebook reels and, you know, <laughs> calling it out to the universe is really going to change that. It's going to have to change with your core and confidence. You need to find a place where you have coping mechanisms and business mechanisms. And I'm speaking to you as a business owner right now. You need to find a place where you're comfortable in what you're doing and where the opportunity lies in this type of business model if you're working here right now. If you're not seeing the kinds of things you want to see, keep going. Tenacity, perseverance, and grit are the other things that make these businesses work. It isn't the mechanics because Amazon's got that in that channel, right? They got that mechanic thing like done. You just need to get off that. You need to be thinking about, you know, where you are, where your opportunities are. Be smart, be wise with your capital and be intentional with your time. Okay. If you're working 40 hours a week on this business, you're spending too much time. Mm -hmm. 15 to 20 hours a week, a very intentional focused on revenue generating activities. And you do not need to spend any more time than that. The devil's playground is idle hands. And if you're spending 40 hours a week tweaking things, playing with things, worrying about things, doing things, you are wasting time. You're masking activities, productivity, and that is not going to do anything. Go out, take a walk, play with your kids, have some fun, go on a hike, do something else. That's the tip. You know, that is such a valid thing. Oh. I, I wish people would just listen to this all over again. Neil spitting fire everywhere. <laughs> but I was just talking to a seller. And he's like, I want to work on my Shopify, and then I want to work on my – Inserts, I'm like, dude, you're not even selling like 10 units a day on Amazon. Don't no. even worry about that stuff. Don't Just worry about go to Amazon. We have a saying yeah. out here in the country, can't ride two horses, one ass. Amazon, <laughs> okay, until you're doing 500 units a day minimum, you have not overtaken the market share or capability of your market segment. So don't, and, and you literally, guys, all the other activity crap you hear everybody talking about with the Lambro skinny jeans and the Hopium gurus is <laughs> not okay. The, the, the is not going to get you more traffic on Amazon. It's not. I know they tell you it is okay, but it's not okay. I'm going to recorrect my statement. It's not that it won't help. It's when to do it. They're telling you the wrong time to do it. Okay, it will help later. Want you to find your brand. Once you know your USB and once you're locked into the data and how do I know that's happening? My organic growth, okay, is more than 30 to 60% either through the last quarter or on the last annualized run of my business, last 12 months. Mm -hmm. If I am doing more than that, I am dialed in, okay? It just means it's going to take time for my data and metrics, especially in highly competitive markets to overcome the next set of data that the algorithm is literally trusting you with. There's no human making this decision on behalf of your business on the other side. Mm -hmm. It is an artificial latent semantic search engine, okay? We developed these in Armonk during my IBM days. I know exactly the inner workings of this system and it is all decision-based and it's all knowledge-based and it's all determining whether or not your product data is better than your competitors, that's it. And once you figure that out, it doesn't take you a lot of time to change that, okay? Daniel was dialed in. The one thing for him that changed his business last year was he took a leap of faith, okay, educated leap of faith in the data, 
and uh, gained about $500,000 in inventory. Okay. And then by the time he got to May, after that was deployed, he was around 150,000 a month. What happened in June? He overtook the data of his competitors and he went to 300,000 a month. Did he do anything differently? Did he work a hundred hours? Did he like have some miraculous campaign that took off? Did he do some sort of TikTok dance and twerk, you know, about his brand? No, he didn't do any of that crap, right? It literally, his data overtook the next two competitors in his niche. As soon as that happened, millions of page one became available to his keywords and you will not get access to those keywords until your data is better than the competitors. It's, it's true. It is 100% true. And once that happens, boo, and now you got a hyper growth problem. And if you aren't prepared for that, okay, you can't handle it. If you have a 5,000 you know, unit inventory and that's what you're running on and you have all the right data and metrics and your competitors running on 10,000 units, Amazon engine is not going to reward you and start sending you more sales than them. You have to understand this. You got to get to 10,000 or more units over a two to three month period. Prove to that data algorithm that you're better, and then it will reward you with the traffic. And but uh, your business will level up. It's all data. <laughs> we, we overthink. We overthink this. Well, yeah. we overthink it because you know, because we're told to. We're told to by too much consumption of things that we think are going to give us that like one moment of epiphany, that one growth hack that's going to change our entire world. Because usually we're you know operating in a scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. And that's where so many people got to get out of this. I got to get out of that mindset because it has nothing to do with the success of your business in an algorithmic driven enterprise like Amazon.com. It doesn't. Uh, and this is, I mean, this is, I mean, you're laying it out really clearly. And I, again, I think everyone gets lost in all, you know, you watch YouTube or watch all these tips. I mean, it's like 10,000 tips that you could do. To, <laughs> 24 you know, hacks to this and 59 AI yeah. those. And it's like, and oh, yeah. crap. But I, you know, correct me if I'm misstating anything here, but sure, I mean, Amazon is brilliant in what they're, they want to get the products that convert the best in front of their customers. That's right. And that's the data that that's the, that's the data that you're talking about. And all things to all people in 30 seconds or less. Exactly. So, I mean, you see, we see this all the time. I mean, if you're not focused on the things that improve, the conversion rate yep. of your product, your ads don't work as well. You yep. could be bidding high and still not getting the placements that your two competitors that not are happen. you are snowball getting. uphill in July. Yeah. I mean, so you're right about I me. Mean, you, yes. Do you need a good advertising strategy? Absolutely. 100%. 100%. You, but, but what's going to move the needle once you have all the right things in place is like you're talking about is, can you make a change? That gives you a half a percentage bump in your unit session percentage. And if you see that, leave it alone and let it ride for a while. Okay. The other thing I mentioned, and you just hit this and I'll follow this last point through when that seven day window occurs and it's a positive change, leave it for 21 days. Don't touch the listing again. I know this is going to be hard for some of you to hear because this does take months to get this figured out. I know you want it to happen in days. And well, my friend was on Facebook and blah, 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 blah. Sorry. Again, instant gratification is not what makes these businesses go. Think in two, three, five year increments of these businesses, right? They can create generational wealth opportunities when you do that right. That is your chance for achieving financial freedom that gets you out of the grind that stops you being in check with your paycheck 
that will give you the opportunities you're seeking. But you're going to have to get off of that desperation move and out of that scarcity mindset to make it work. You don't touch that for the next 21 days and watch what happens. That half a percent increase over that time frame could level up your sales two times where it's at now because the data has now been validated by the algorithm to be better than the lowest hanging competitor was next to you that it was currently evaluating you against. <laughs> you got to let it ride. Once you do, go to the next micro change. That may take a 1% increase. That could make dramatic changes. The best thing for you to do is to really learn how to get it in the system right from the very beginning. There's a score that Amazon keeps and it, it tacks you against a 100 percentile um, perfect data set when that listing goes live the moment the inventory is checked in. From that point on, you either keep that score or you lose it. When you lose it, it's very difficult to get it back. It's And how do I know that? Because I used to program and build these systems on mm -hmm. scale at the enterprise level. And this is a learning latent semantic engine. It assigns you a score. And then it determines. So the sooner you can keep your score or keep your score or set your score with the system from day one and in the first seven days after that product goes live, okay, then you are literally set up for success with that product. And it has nothing to do with the product. And some so call this the honeymoon the phase. Is this the honeymoon phase everybody refers to? Oh, I don't, you know, that was a stupid metric that someone named that. We were doing this years ago when we realized that, you know, how do we rob the train and create this opportunity? And it's like, we, we built a system of validation and testing. And I may or may not have had a bunch of accounts. I don't want to say this out loud that helped me determine that this algorithmic ranking was similar to the ones that we'd used in the past. And why was it ranking? When was it ranking? What quality scores was it giving every section of the page? Uh, and how were people actually moving across the page? And by the way, they move in an F format. So as you see them coming down on the left and then going to the right and then coming out like a F, if you literally go to an Amazon listing page and draw an F, big old F across that page, that's exactly how people are moving on that listing on desktop. Mobile is very different. Okay, Mobile is literally like a one, two, three, four straight shot down the line and it starts with your images. Okay, Images validate, copy, validate, push, click add to cart, go. Hmm. Boop, boop, boop. That's why mobile is really fascinating and why the highest yeah. conversion rates will come off mobile. Damn, man. So Neil's got a podcast called High Voltage Business Builders. I do. And he spits everywhere. Yeah. yeah, I need to have you guys come on and talk about the PPC side of things because I know we, uh, in full transparency, Voltage is working with Solozone now, um, bringing my clients in. We're bringing in our accounts. We've been uh, using uh, other services for years. I know you guys have matured your platform quite a bit in the last few years, which has been really great to watch. Uh, the things you do, you're highly in, intentional, you're very you know, uh, uh, advisable, and you get involved in what's actually happening, which is really cool. And we don't have that level of connectivity with our with our other platforms, which is why we're switching. So guys, if you are needing that and you're listening and you're not a Celozo person, go check it out. You're going to enjoy it. We, we've enjoyed Appreciate it. The team's loving it. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be really, really cool for our coming year to really get some of these things dialed in. So we're super excited about seeing that happen. And, uh, you know, plug for you guys because you're you're really cool and you need to come on my podcast sometime and talk about that. Well, yeah. we, we, would love to. we would love to. And, and I know that there is a lot of people listening right now who are fascinated by what you're saying. And yeah. they've they're either have started their journey uh, or they're or this is what they're looking for. Um, they've got the right mindset. They like what you're saying. How does somebody reach out to you and get a part of voltage and all the things that you're doing to help people grow sure well one small action is going to be better than a dump full truck of self-help books guys so if you're <laughs> going to be sitting around doing manifestations and try to do anything maybe today you manifest a link 
go over to voltagedm.com while you're doing your mm, trying to get your <laughs> life in order. Uh, we'll go talk about some bold things. You'll talk with me directly. No one gets into my mastermind without talking to me first. I only open it for five to seven people. I'm looking for the right candidates, right people. You need to understand that this is a business building and consultation arrangement. I'm not a course. I'm not a program. and I'm not a self-help guru. Uh, I'm going to tell you things you probably don't like to hear. If you're already existing seller, you're not going to like what I have to tell you. But if you listen and do the work, you may be like David LeBlanc and turn it around. He was doing, you know, six months. He was basically making his manufacturer and Amazon money. He came in five months later. We have him at multi seven figures, 20 plus percent net profit. And he's growing double down every uh, month on his business, which is fun to watch. Can we help you? Absolutely. The question is, can you help yourself? If you think you can, then come on over, take a look. We'll find out. We'll have a conversation. You will go through a process and take an assessment. And I will make sure that you are as good as my other builders in your mindset, or this may not be the right opportunity for you. Love it. Every, yeah. If, if you do have that mindset and you're listening right now, go to voltagedm.com, set up some time with Neil. I've, I've had, like I said, I've had the pr privilege of meeting some of your team, some of your clients. I mean, they, they are creating some amazing businesses. And I love also the fact that you get them, you get them primed to think about the exit. Yes. Early. From the beginning. Every, I mean, everything from the way your business is structured, mm -hmm. uh, from the way that you're handling your finances, all the, everything that is important to get the best exit possible. Yes, sir. Um, I'm so, not buying Yugos. So don't bring me. <laughs> You can bring me your Yugo and we can turn it into a Ferrari, but I'm not buying any Yugos. So it's, we're not on the used car market. So, um, so bring, bring your best. Oh, man. Guys, well, I love yeah. the time. Appreciate you so much. Yes. Yeah. You're always, you always spit fire. I love it. And you're always welcome on the podcast. We love it. So thank you so much, Neil. 420. 420, guys. <laughs> we got to do it. Chris, Chris we got to crank out some episodes. Everybody's going to think I'm a token. Going, right? I'm <laughs> guys, gotta... I don't do that. I just think it's funny. My disclaimer. <laughs> oh, man. Neil, thanks so much. Thanks, everybody, thanks, for, for tuning in today. It's been a blast, and we'll see you on the next episode. Right Have on. a great day.